Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bays. I am a content creator, CrossFit L2 trainer, nutrition advisor, and sober alcoholic. I created this podcast to share inspiring stories of people and information I'm learning in hopes that sharing our experiences will inspire us all to grow, learn, and change. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. We are live. (laughs) Welcome to, as John and I are calling it on this day, the No Name Podcast. AKA, we haven't come up with a name yet, but we will get there. I am Claire Bays, your host of the podcast. We'll sort out what our name is in the future. And my guest today is John Wooley. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah, you're close enough. It's good enough. Wooley. That's good. Yep. Okay. All right. So, John, for those who do not know, most of you probably already know him, but he's most commonly known, I would say, or has been known the longest for his Instagram meme account that is make quads great again yeah here i'm known as the meme guy i know you know or oh you're that make what's great again guy that's most commonly the thing i hear okay so yeah and we'll get into all that so that's his thing but he actually does podcasting these days and he has two podcasts which is make pods great again right Used to be. We just changed it. Oh, actually, okay. yeah. Why don't you just tell me about that real quick? Well, uh, Kettlebells and Cocktails, formerly known as Make Pods Great Again. So we originally co-branded Make Wads Great Again and Make Pods Great Again because it made sense at the time. thought it was cute and funny. And we kept getting people telling us, oh, we don't want to listen because it's a political show. And I'm like, no, it's not political at all. We like never talk politics, but I get it so closely tied to make America great again that people just assumed it was. Right. And so we felt like we needed to change it. So we did and wanted to keep it kind of CrossFit centric and in line with our lifestyle. Nikki and I both like to work out. We both like to drink. So kettlebells and cocktails. That's how it came about. How long has it been by that name? Oh gosh. Actually we announced it a year ago here at the games. So I've absolutely consumed it by the new name and just assumed that it was still (laughs) under like that's 100% occurred. I've had a dozen people today call it that though. If wherever you start with that, I think is where people still think about it. And sometimes I still think of it that way, to be honest. Yeah. Well, cause, and it's so anyway. Okay. So kettlebells and cocktails, ladies and gentlemen, the, the name has swapped um, a whole year ago. So the times guys, gosh, Okay, so that's your thing. But by the way, you also have a very full-time job as a banker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in banking 20-something years at this point. I can't believe. I know that I've, of course, heard you speak for years now and heard you interviewed a handful of times. And I knew about the whole you have a job history of not being in CrossFit, as most of us do. But I cannot believe that you still do it. Like That surprised me today whenever you said, yeah, I'm still doing that that caught me off guard. Yeah, it's, I think I mentioned it to somebody over the weekend already or last week that it's like golden handcuffs, like banking pays really well. I got kids in college or starting college and the CrossFit's a very, and being a meme lord and a podcaster is like, got to really have some faith that you're going to have a lot of success. And I know I can have success in banking because I've had it. So I felt like I could do both. And so I'm kind of using this as just a fun hobby and a chance to give back. And truthfully, like the biggest benefit for me is that I'm beholden to no one because I have a real job and I make real income and it's really good income. I don't have to take freebies. I don't have to suck up to people for gigs. Like I can just (laughs) kind of do what I want to do. And I don't have to worry about the ramifications of 
doing something stupid and losing a sponsor or, and I do a lot of stupid things. So it's, it takes off a lot of worry. And so from that aspect, it gives me a lot of freedom to do what I want to do. Total creative freedom. Yeah, yeah. A lot of creative freedom. The, the only area where it takes away from my freedom is, you know, I'm locked into kind of a set vacation schedule or amount of time I can take off every year. And so I have to miss some things I would like to go to, but that's okay. It's a minor trade-off for freedom for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm like, have 400 other questions, but I'm going to stay on task for now. <laughs> so my next question is, how did we meet? Oh, like, like I meet everyone else through Instagram. I have so many Instagram friends. It's funny. I just ran into Joel who runs as many reviews as possible. And I haven't seen that dude. I haven't physically laid eyes on that guy in two years, but I feel like I see him every week. And I'll run into dozens of people like that here this weekend that I'd never see in person. Nikki's like that. Nikki and I literally see each other once a year at best. And I would consider her one of my very closest best friends because we're always on streaming together or sharing stuff through Instagram. And so, yeah, we met that way, you know, same way I meet everyone else. We have a mutual friend and get connected that way and you start following and then you start. I actually, when I follow people's stories, like I try to really follow their journey, not just like look at photos and move on. And I do that some obviously, but like, I don't know, I think because I've been running the two podcasts for so long that I, I now like try to figure out what people's stories and their niches and why they're interesting. And I don't, Humbly, I think I only follow interesting people Un unfollow a lot when I'm not connecting with what they're doing. Like, right. and it's not because I don't like them. It's just like, I want content and experiences that I relate to. Yeah. Well, and I spoke on a podcast not too terribly long ago, just about the fact that for me, at least obviously, like I have started to treat over the past, I'd say year, year and a half social media very differently. Obviously, as I've continued to like start to create content there, that is going to change your relationship with Instagram and wherever you're creating, but just as far as being mindful of what I'm consuming and understanding that like, if I'm spending so many hours in this space, being aware of what's coming in is like pretty important. And so, yeah, if it doesn't resonate or it's not relevant to my job or it's not something that builds me up, I guess, then I'm kind of like, ah, does that really need to be here? If it's not giving me the good vibes, do I need to be doing it? I fill my feed with creators, truthfully, or funny people. Like to me, that's a creative outlet as well. And I draw off of that. Like you surround yourself with people that are creative and inventive and unique. It gives you ideas and spurs your own energy toward creating. Absolutely. And so people will often ask me, like, how do you create so much stuff? It's like, because everyone around me is creating and I want to keep up and one up them and learn from them. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's why. Yeah. I think it's safe to say you be one up and. Yeah, I don't know about that. I honestly don't know about that. <laughs> you create that. a lot of content. You really do. Yeah, you never know what's good, though. I mean, that's the interesting thing about being a creator. I'm sure you get, get this, too, is I can create hours upon hours of stuff, and it's endless. And it, that sounds like a humble brag, but it really isn't. Like, for me, it's just an outlet to get, like, my head is constantly moving, constantly. Actually, here's a true story. <laughs> Probably shouldn't say this on the air. Somebody gave me a gummy the other day and I don't do that stuff, but they're like, Hey, you should try this. Did the gummy have THC? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And about an hour into it, the effects started and I had half a gummy. It was a small one, right? About an hour into it, it started kicking in and all of a sudden my brain went quiet and I'm like, wow, this is what normal people feel like. Oh this my is, gosh. This must be what people without ADHD feel like. Wow. All of a sudden I could focus and like watch it a TV show without fiddling with my phone or fidgeting or my foot tapping and kind of all that stuff. So you felt like it was an overall pleasant experience. Yeah, right? I know. It was great in that regard. 
But I use this kind of creative outlet to get rid of that too. Like when I started all this, I originally thought, all right, well, I'll do this for a while. And then eventually I'll run out of ideas. And my problem is the ideas never quit flowing. Right. And they just go constantly. Well, and the more you create, it's a compounding effect. You put more energy there and said, it's, that's so true. I remember, yeah, for me, six months ago when I really started to like intentionally create content and it was really hard at first and it is getting easier. And of course you learn your workflows and things like that, that make it easier. But really, truly, like, I think I agree, which is exciting, of course, because if this is something that you're doing, you know, <laughs> hopefully it streamlines a bit. It's a weird experience for sure. But I, my point to all that is like, I never feel like I'm one up in anyone. I feel like I'm just trying to get out of my head so I can be calm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Let's see here. So I was going to ask, I guess the next question I've got, and you still are that, but who were you before you were creating content? That's a good question. I mean, I've always been a creator to some degree. I was a musician in college. I went to college to study music and thought I wanted to do that for a living. And at some point I figured out that I didn't want to live off cheese and crackers for the rest of my life. I wanted a real job and family and make money. And so I gave that up, but I've always played and written songs and kind of created things. And I've always had like kind of a crazy, weird sense of humor. Yeah. So I've always done that. And I've always had like had little outlets, had a blog for a while that was moderately successful and kind of everything I've ever tried, I've been okay at the, this whole satire page and podcast that took off was a fluke, to be honest. It just like kind of happened. So I feel like I'm this exact same person I've always been. I just now have an outlet to channel all this stuff that's been in my head. And right. truthfully, sometimes you just find things you're really good at. And it turns out like the one talent that I really have is create looking at a photo and creating a caption very quickly. Yeah. And it's a weird superpower. I don't know where it comes from. I've always had a very fast sense of humor. And so it's kind of like the person I was before is this person with a fast sense of humor. And all of a sudden now I have social media to connect it to. And it was just the perfect storm. Very cool. Yeah. Very weird. How long ago did you start the page? It would have been 2018. Okay, four years. Yeah, we were traveling somewhere and I was talking about, I had started a Twitter handle right after Trump won the election and I named it CrossFit Trump because I thought it'd be funny to do CrossFit tweets in the voice of Trump. It was not going to be political, but I was going to take his tweets because he had all this crazy shit he was saying and make it about CrossFit. And it was moderately funny. It, you know, I picked up, seven or 800 followers pretty quick. And I was using it to troll my coaches and that sort of thing. And my daughters and I were in the car and my oldest was like, Hey dad, this is really funny, but it'd be funnier if it were memes. Oh, so this was your daughter's idea. Oh, totally. And this was four years ago. So how old was she at that time? Well, she would have been 16. Okay. And they've always, fortunately, have always found me funny. So I just literally handed her my phone and go, all right, we'll create the page. And so she created it and she made the first meme, the very first one. Did you have an Instagram account before you had this Instagram account? I had a personal account. Okay. So we created a new one for this, totally new one, right. and, which I'm glad we did. And we named it CrossFit Trump and it didn't really do much. You know, I picked up again, six or 700 followers, not even that 300 was the number. And it stayed that way for about six months. And then regionals came around because when I follow people, I'm really deliberate about why I'm following them. I followed Kayla Banfield, who's one of the, uh, announcers here you know she works the sideline and stuff does interviews and i knew she was at the time dating james newberry and she's australian so i knew she's connected to australian athletes so they did a contest on make a meme hashtag the update show and maybe we'll show it 
And so I did a bunch of memes about James Newberry and Australian athletes and she shared it. And I got, I picked up like four or 500 followers almost immediately. Okay. Like I just like looked at my phone and it was like 500 notifications. And like, if you have a page that has 300 followers and you that's get a lot 500 of, notifications, lot. Yeah. yeah, you're like, oh shit. Right. And so I'm like, all right, that's interesting. And then I don't know if you know Craig Ritchie, but he has yeah. a huge YouTube channel. Right. Great yeah, dude. Yeah. He shared one of my memes. So I mean, he must have seen it and shares one of my memes. And I get like a thousand followers from that. So now I'm at like, you know, 13, 1400 followers or something, you know, maybe 1800. We're gaining traction. Yeah. And so now, and because I'm a banker, everything's numbers for me. So now I'm like trying to figure out how did this happen? So I'm connecting the dots that it got shared. I tagged an athlete. I tagged this guy. They shared it. How many followers should I get from sharing? So then I'm like, all right, game on. And I start tagging athletes and treating social media like I think it should be treated, which is actually making relationships with these people. If 1, I tagged them, percent. I would say something to them. And I set some ground rules early on for the page that I think to this day were critical, which is, you know, do no harm, never sexualize an athlete, male or female, no degrading humor like racism or not that I would do that anyway, but. You know, you just have to be careful about how things are viewed. And I have to point. pause you for two seconds on that and just tell you thank you for that. Because I, I've heard you say that many times. And I'm really glad that you did one touch on that on my podcast. Thank you. But also just because I think that's so important. So as much as you are, you're a comedian on there, really, truly. But I, I have a lot of respect for the fact that you do take into consideration those things. I just appreciate that. And you're able to still be fucking hilarious. Well, there are so many <laughs> jokes that are what I would consider low-hanging fruit. And in the CrossFit space, you have a lot of people that are barely clothed. And it's really easy, really easy to make jokes about that. And a lot of people find that funny. That's not the crowd I want to cater to. That's, and that's not who I am as a person. So it was like I created those rules, and I think that helped. And then it started to like kind of spiral. And then I had two big benefits happened. The first one was Jillian Michaels. Art did a post on Instagram about CrossFit. And I, I remember this. Oh, I roasted her so hard. I remember this. In hindsight, I wouldn't do it today, probably. But I was mean. I went all in on her for like a week. I did at least 10 posts, like back to back to back to back to back. And Greg Glassman caught wind of it and called me at home on a Sunday. On your phone. On Yeah. Like I'm sitting on the couch. My youngest daughter's next to me. I get a DM from CrossFit Health and it's got the little blue check and it says, all it says is Coach Glassman would like to talk to you. Please call this number. So I get called to the principal's office. I'm like, what? Oh my, I don't even know what I would have done. Well, so I looked at it and I thought maybe it was fake, but I saw the blue check. I'm like, well, it can't be. And then I immediately got an email also from CrossFit, different person. All it said was Coach Glassman would like to talk to you and has a phone number. And so I turned to my youngest daughter and she was 14 at the time. And I'm, I'm like, hey, what do I do? And as only a teenager can do, she's like, what do you think you do? You call the number. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? He threatened to sue me, which is what I thought was going to happen. So I called the number. It was very surreal. I get uh, Karen Thompson, who was head of CrossFit Health at the time. She's here this week. She's amazing. Love her. And she's like, oh, yeah, Greg's right here. Hold on. We're doing laundry. They were in Nashville for something. They're at the laundromat. Within seconds, I have Greg Glassman on the phone. Very surreal. And he's like, hey, John, just wanted to thank you for what you're doing. And he gives me this long conspiracy theory that we don't need to go into about. How Glassman of him. Yeah, about Coca-Cola <laughs> and them bringing in Jillian Michaels and all this stuff. And so I'm like, hey, want to come on my podcast? And he's like, sure, be here Wednesday. 
And so that's how I launched the podcast. Get out of here. But I had him like kind of think for all this. And then the second event, I think that really helped me was Greg started doing a lot of crazy stuff. I shouldn't say crazy. He was making business decisions that people viewed as crazy. He fired the media team. He got rid of regionals and like a bunch of that stuff. And it's just meme gold. And at that point, people thought I worked at HQ because my jokes were so closely targeted. They thought I worked there. Like, you know, not everyone knew me at the time. And so everything just kind of like took off at once. And it went from the 300 followers initially to 10,000 followers in about 30 to 45 days. And so I immediately changed the name because I didn't want to get sued by Trump and I didn't want to get sued by CrossFit, but I wanted to keep it close. So that's where Make Wads Great Again came from because WAD in my mind is the only word that all CrossFitters know. And so I changed the name and it thought, all right, we'll die from here. And then the opposite happened. It took off like a rocket and it went to 100,000 followers within 14 months. It got to 200,000 within another eight months. And it's really never slowed down. Wow. What is the account currently at? Do you know, like roughly? So it's got 340 something thousand. I think it's like 343 on Instagram, 46,000 on Facebook, maybe 11,000 on Twitter, Mm -hmm. maybe. Do you hang out on TikTok? No, I have a TikTok. I've got like maybe 30 followers over there. I can't dance for shit. I just don't put much on TikTok. For what it's worth, I have no idea what I'm doing on yeah. there yet either. I'm like, I'm working on figuring it out, but I have no idea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't put much on TikTok and, you know, I use YouTube for the podcast yeah. stuff. But yeah, so it's probably at this point, I mean, you know, you do the math, it's pushing close to 400,000 between all the channels. So then at what point, if at any, or probably maybe many times, did that begin to feel like pressure? Oh, it's felt like pressure from day one okay. to some degree. It's interesting. The pressure comes in different ways. I feel a need to respond to as many people as possible in some capacity. Okay. It's just a personal flaw or trait or whatever. You care about humans. Yeah. So it's just always been. That's no flaw. Well, I mean, the flaw part is like when I say respond to everything, I mean everything. Like, and I don't anymore, <laughs> but I did for a while. And so there's always a lot of pressure and time consuming uh, effort that went into that, which is tough. And then along the way, you make a lot of mistakes, like jokes are and satire and memes are on the eye of the beholder. So something I find hysterical, you may be highly offended by. I'll give you an example. I did, a, I think, a hysterical meme once. I actually I saw it the other day, like came up in my feed and it made me laugh. And I did a memo. It was during the time right after um, Glassman left and Rosa took over and I did a memo from Rosa and it was aimed at all the political correctness that came out of that. And it's based off of current climate. We're going to change some of the terms within CrossFit. And I had all these terms I had changed. And one of them said that we're no longer going to call the assault bike the assault bike. It's now going to be called the mutual consent vehicle. And which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Nobody's consenting on that thing. Okay? I know. But <laughs> what I didn't take into account is that there were a significant number of people who have been sexually assaulted that viewed that term mutual consent as a sexual act, which wasn't my intent. And so there's things like that you learn over time that you think, okay, well, maybe I could have worded that differently and make it better. And so there's always pressure to make sure you're not insulting people or being hurtful. 
But there's also the balance of like, sometimes I just thumb my nose at people and go, look, the joke's the joke. If, right. if the joke wasn't meant for you, maybe you're not meant for the internet. Like maybe you should stay offline if right. these things trigger you so bad. So you can't please everyone. And so there's the pressure of figuring out, should I have changed that joke? Which in this case, I would say yes. In hindsight, I would redo it differently because I think that is really close to the line, my line anyway. Yeah. And you were unaware. And I, I think that's an interesting thing about having a platform. Yeah. Sometimes and, you don't know. And I think there are other know. jokes, though, that when people go, oh, you shouldn't do that. I'm just like, sorry, yeah. you shouldn't follow me. Yeah. <laughs> like, get out. I've been saying for a while now that I feel so badly for comedy in the social media landscape today because comedians, I mean, I just, I don't envy, and that's technically what that page is. And so as much as you have another identity, you know, as well within the space and in life, that's a large part of your identity. And so you have to think about all those things. Like it's such, I don't envy the position at all. Well, I was raised on Richard Pryor, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Like these Which are all my- Which is good shit. Yeah, yeah, these are all my favorite comedians. And Chappelle's like the worst offender of the group for saying things that people really get triggered over. Right. And I understand why they do. So I'm not defending him or attacking him either way. But my point is, is I just always try to keep in mind that you have to know who your audience is. And some people are just never going to be your audience. Right. Ever. And that's perfectly okay. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that as I've started to create content on social media, I feel very fortunate for some of the experiences I had not too long before in, in getting sober and things like that of really recognizing like what is your true north? And what aligns with you and what are your values? And you just need to stick to that and then let the chips fall where they may. And if like, if it felt good and right to you, go ahead and go with it, stick to it. You liked it, do it. But yet again, the, the comedy piece is, is definitely one that uh, it's funny. I, I think growing up, we didn't even have cable in my household, but as I got older, my dad had a computer. And anyway, I remember watching Cat Williams' Pimp Chronicles, I think it was, with my father on this big computer situation and we ate it up and now it's kind of interesting i mean i don't know that he would care but like if he were to do that today just yeah comedy i feel like is suffering as a result but but that being said i mean like you said you know your audience it was well, hard and you and, have your lines and memes isn't for me like i try to not just use it for comedy i use it you know satire is a different thing and i try to do a lot of that to point out the flaws in crossfit and that's where people really get triggered because the jokes hit really close to home. And so you're, you're pointing out something that's broken within the system. Like I spent a lot of time working on inclusion things or adaptive athletes and that sort of thing. And trying to point out to CrossFit, hey, here's something you need to go address, but doing it in a funny way. And what do you mind elaborating just slightly on what, what you think they should address with adaptive athletes? Uh, well, I, yeah, there's a ton. I just get, hit some highlights. First of all, I applaud them for what they've done. They've got adaptive athletes here competing this weekend or this week, and that's a hard event to put on. And I do not want to minimize how much work goes into that. But there are several divisions that are left out. I've raised money for those divisions this year because I wanted to make sure they didn't feel left out. And I really believe that visibility and people seeing others in their same state or condition is critically important representation is yeah. just really important. And so some of these divisions that aren't going to be in, aren't going to be represented in the, an example that's the blind community or vision impaired are not here competing really hard to put on a competition for them, but people that have family members that are blind 
or have vision problems often have no idea where to go to get them help with fitness. And being able to see people in this great stage is a great place to do that. That's just one. And then when you look at the, just even the affiliates, I mean, I'm going to make a educated guess just based off gems I've dropped into, but I bet there are 70% of the gems that aren't ADA compatible or even have a coach that's prepared to coach someone that's in a wheelchair or has an impairment of some sort. The website itself for years, I don't know if they fixed it at this point, but for years didn't even translate into the languages of the countries in which we serve. <laughs> you know, it's like, so people think when I say inclusion, they're like, oh, you're talking about race or sexuality. I'm like, no, I would like for the affiliates in China to be able to read the workout of the day or the Philippines or wherever. And I'd like athletes in wheelchairs to actually be able to roll into the gym up a ramp instead of having to go up steps. None of this is a, an attack at CrossFit. It's like, I want to use satire to shine a light on it. So people go, oh, maybe we should look at this for a second. Right. I believe it's a nicer attack to do it. But when you do that, when you shine a light on things, people often don't want a light shined on their flaws. And that's where it starts triggering people. And that's where the pressure comes in on my end that people push back pretty hard. Yeah, that's some really good food for thought. And I, I appreciate that those are some passion projects for you because selfishly, there are some amputees in my life that I anyway it's it's I've had the honor of seeing what they go through in order to just go through a day and to do I mean it's just like remarkable and I would love more spotlight on that selfishly just because I'm just like oh my gosh we're all out here working hard they're working hard they're working hard they earned it and even just the accessibility and things like that the simple stuff like that um okay so I want to ask you when it comes to all of this content creation that you do because it is a bit <laughs> What does your creative flow look like? And then I guess maybe we can kind of tack that in with like a typical day in the life type thing. Yeah, I'll probably hit both in one. So my creative flow comes like two or three ways, but my kind of my process, I get up in the morning, make a huge pot of coffee, sit on the couch with my cat. I sound like a cat lady. I love this already. <laughs> yeah. And Bean and I sit there, my cat's name's Bean. We sit on the couch and I open Instagram and I look for two things. I look for things people have sent me. Often some of the best content just comes from the community. People will just send you things and go, hey, what do you think of this? And I love that. The second thing I do is I, you know, I scroll through my feed. So I follow a lot of creators. I look at certain genres that I know to be funny to, for content. I read the news to see what's new because there's always something going on. And I just kind of goes from there. So that's where you're getting your creative flow from in the morning time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned I have ADHD. So like my brain is firing on all cylinders at 6 a.m. I was going to say, are you one? Because what I've noticed is I think it's really fun to wake up at 3 a.m. and then stay awake for quite a while. And I get some good ideas during that time. And I'm like, could you stop for just a moment, please? Just let me do this thing called rest. And then we'll get after that later. Yeah. It's like events like this are rough for me because my social media burns out by the end of the day yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. And when you say your social media burns out, what do you get specific on that? Well, so when I'm at an event like this, because I'm creating in the morning typically, and all my ideas are there, like I'm burning off all of that noise in my head, right? When I come to an event like this, I'm meeting people all day long. And I do a couple of things. Like I want to make a good impression on people. So I'm really focused when I'm talking to them, more focused than I would normally be at noon, right? Yep. And so my social meter is burning off much quicker than it would. Absolutely. And so by the evening, I'm just mentally toast, just dead inside. 
just really tough. And it's just partly how I'm wired, but I also use events like this, like I'm good observer and I'm looking around to see what people are wearing and what they're doing. And like this weekend or so far this week has been a lot about shoes. There's two or three new shoe companies Gosh, here and yeah. people are crazy about them. Right. And, and so I'm getting some content from that about how, you know, in my mind that I'm storing for later. Yes. So you're drawing inspiration from actual physical. Yeah. Dinner. And then I'm just talking to people and, you know, finding out what they do and what's fun for them and what do they hate? What do they love? And like, I met this couple yesterday, one was from Switzerland and the other was from Germany. I think that's where they're from. They're absolutely from Europe and they do all the same dumb shit that I do in the gym. And I'm like, how awesome is that? Like yeah. these guys are thousands of miles away overseas, entirely different countries raised in wildly different environment than me in kind of the Midwest. And, and yet we're so similar. And it's just, that's content that's great to capture, to use for future posts and current posts and whatever. So this is just a fun place to be. But it, my point to all of that is it does burn me out very quickly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I know for me personally, having been on the road largely for the past few months altogether has, uh, you know, I was, I was putting a lot of energy in my content creation and, and it's all new. So, but I had the bandwidth to give it and then being on the road, it really messed with it. And so even just the, I was gone for a weekend before being here, but anyway, I had two weeks at home, right? And I'm now in Austin, Texas, which is a new home for me. But man, in that two week time period of being at home, I was like, oh, she's back and it felt so good. So I can't wait to do that. But that being said, obviously, I'm so grateful to be here. But okay, so a typical day in the life, we make a big pot of coffee, we hang out with our cat, we draw inspiration. Yeah. And I'll create most of my stuff before eight o'clock and I go to work. I go get dressed, go to work, do my thing. I will have already created my post for the day, so they're ready to go. And I'll just fire them off at will whenever I feel like it. So you don't schedule anything at this time? You just do it when it feels right? Yeah, I never schedule anything. I mean, I try to keep everything a few hours apart, but there's no, you know, don't let anybody lie to you and say there's some perfect algorithm you can follow to get more followers and get more people to engage. I just do whatever feels right to me. And that has always served me well. Mm -hmm. It resonates. Yeah. And then consumer. And then people send me stuff throughout the day, every day. And if I think of something on the spot, I'll create it right then and post it. That happens some too. Yeah. I just kind of let it come to me. And I've been fortunate it's never gone away. And then at some point I go to the gym and I always get content there. Always. Almost every time I set foot in a gym and work out with others, I learn something about this mutual suffering that we have. And that's been the, why the page has been so successful. The secret to it, like everyone's like, how do you beat the algorithm and get these followers? I'm like, it's not about that. It's about relatability. The entire page from end to end is autobiographical. Every meme, every joke, everything that goes on there, I have experienced. There's nothing on there that I've just made up. There are no lies. It's all me. And that's from being in a gym for the last 11 years with other CrossFitters. And an example of that is like, I'll show up and I was in a class a couple of days ago. And it was me and three women. And I'm like, finally, I'm going to win the lift. Finally. And I thought in my mind, how funny that is. Like here I am a grown man looking forward to being able to outlift everyone in the class. And they're all like 40 year old mommies with wooden plates on the bar, you know, and I'm not making fun of them. It's making fun of myself, no, you know, that's it's great. like, but that's funny. And I'm, but I know if that's happening to me, it's happening to people everywhere. You're so right. And then, you know, you see like 
some of these aren't always funny, but their experiences, you'll see like these same mommy classes where some of the women aren't doing double unders because they're going to pee their pants from having kids, you know? I'm terrified. Yeah. And it's not funny, but that's an experience. And finding ways to work stuff like that into the podcast or into memes or satire is important because again, representation is important to people. And if they see themselves in what you're posting, they're going to be more engaged. They're going to stick around and they're really going to connect with you. And that's in my mind, what it's always been about. Yeah. Okay. So that leads me to a question that I just want to hold on to. We'll tuck that back and bring her back out in a minute. So then, so you go to work and you go on ahead and post throughout the day, but uh, during the day you're working at a bank and then you have these podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's even more work. (laughs) So this man be working. (laughs) So you're doing podcasting how many nights a week? Uh, It depends. Two nights every week. Sometimes it's three or four. I've done as many as five, but that's pretty rare these days. It's usually two is kind of the average. We may take that up to three if we need to. Part of it's work, like the editing and setting stuff up and the scheduling sucks so bad. Like athletes are the worst. I hope one of them hears this. You guys can all go to hell. You're so hard to schedule. Yeah, they have such weird schedule. They're all the same. I'm like, hey, can you come on the show at seven o'clock on Tuesday? Oh, no, 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 I'll be in bed by seven o'clock because I have to rest. Well, how about six o'clock? Well, I've got to eat at six o'clock. I mean, they're so detail oriented. Oh, they are. Gosh, that's so true. And then you get them on. I've had this happen and I'm talking the big athletes. I'll give you an example. Noah Olson, nicest dude ever. I love Noah. Noah comes on my show and he is literally drenched in sweat, just finished a workout because he scheduled his life right up to the edge of the workout. And he's sitting there eating a popsicle. I'm like, dude, I can't even make eye contact with you eating that popsicle. Like, put that thing down. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you sweating like this? And it's like, I just finished a workout. And like, so the whole time he's like catching his breath. I'm like, I love you, dude. But man, schedule your life better. Oh my! And gosh. they're all like that. Yeah. All of them. Uh, but Annie Thor's daughter did the exact same thing. She was in the gym when she called us. Like, you yeah. hear plates dropping. And anyway, so that's the hard part. But it is fun for me to do this, to sit down and just talk and ask questions and find out what moves them and what they like and dislike. And again, kind of the relatability, you find out that heroes like Annie Thor's daughter has all the same dumb stuff happening in her life that's happened in mine. She and I were talking about changing diapers and babies and what that journey is going to look like for her. And it's just, it's, uh, it's really, really interesting. So it's fun, but it's a lot of hours. Yeah, that specifically, it certainly brings a human factor to these larger than life people. I know that certainly for yet again, for myself being in the last year to get to be in the same rooms with a lot of people that I've watched on TV or, you know, on YouTube or whatever for a number of years. And it's been very much so just like they're all human. Every one of them is a human who has their experiences and you see this version of them that you aspire to be like in some way, which is great, but they are all very much so human. It's a lot of work. But I will tell you, it's more rewarding than the meme page, whatever that's worth, because you're actually connecting with people. And the people listening to the podcast are crazy. They're straight up nuts, all of them. Well, they, no, they're nuts. They're crazy. People that hear your voice for some reason think they're in, live, they're in your bedroom or your living room and they're with you. And yeah. they make a connection that people that follow the meme page don't make. That makes perfect sense. And so when I meet people here, for instance, that follow the podcast, like I met one a while ago, nicest dude. I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. But he comes over and he's like, bro, just bought your belt because I just did a collaboration with Two Food. I got your belt. And he's like telling me all the things he likes and doesn't like about it. Like we've known each other forever. And I'm right. like, I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> Who are you? You know? 
but I love that because they feel connected to you. And, yeah. and then they start going, you remember when you and Nikki talked about whatever? I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Like that was a hundred episodes ago. Yeah. We talked about a lot of things, but it stuck out to them. Yeah. And so like it, once we really got rolling with it and, and I realized we were making that connection, it really changed my relationship with the microphone and how the content that I wanted to put out because I knew I could actually make an impact in people's lives. I could really help people, like really help them, yeah. not just like make them laugh. And then the responsibility of what we're doing went through the roof. Yeah. Okay. So then let me ask you there from there, then if you feel the responsibility there and you realize that you have the ability to have the impact, because that's so very, very true. What type of impact are you trying to have? Well, I do a lot of charity work. I've been working with Forging Youth Resilience for a while. I met them yesterday. They were so sweet. Mason? Yep. Wonderful. She's on the DEI council with CrossFit, but I do work with them. I raise money for the adaptive athletes. I have two or three veterans groups that I work with. Uh, Battle Cancer is a group that I spend a lot of time That's with, awesome. and Scott and his team. Uh, Barbells for Boobs, I've done stuff for them. I basically, like, I just try to find groups that I feel are either underrepresented or undervalued or need help or they need money. And as long as they're in the CrossFit space, that's my only benchmark for them is they have to actually be part of CrossFit in okay. some regard then I'm going to try to find a way to help them. So like the adaptive community, most recently, there were five divisions, adaptive athletes that were not allowed to compete here in Madison. Their finals were those during semifinals. And so I wanted to give them a games level experience. So I reached out to a bunch of sponsors and asked if they would donate goods and services to those athletes. And then I did a GoFundMe, raised 13 grand for these athletes to yeah. give them a like an actual prize purse. And then Assault Fitness, I gotta see if I can get them all off the top of my head. Assault Fitness, RP, RX Smart Gear, O2, uh, Wadden Dunn, Doc Spartan, Innovate, all donated things for these athletes. And so, you know, I've got these athletes now, you know, sending me photo, three to one podium, you know, sending me photos. They just got this huge swag bag from Podium and a huge swag bag from RX and from Assault. And, you know, I'm grateful that it makes them feel that they are part of the, they feel like, and they are true games athletes. And that's important. It's important for them as people and it's important for the community to see it. So when the next games comes around, someone other than me raises an eyebrow when the vision group isn't allowed to compete here. And I'm not saying they have to be allowed here next year. It's just like people should be having the discussion and like, let's grow the sport and, and help others. Who knew that the guy that started a page about comedy and satire is actually a heart of gold. Yeah, I don't know if it's gold, but a heart of good things. You know, I come from a really, Sugar I have a really spice. good family, Everything and nice. No, look, <laughs> I come from a very privileged life. Um, I have great parents. We were not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I had a good life. Got out of school with no college debt, and and I've worked my butt off for everything I have. So I don't feel like I've been given everything. But I also recognize I've had a lot of advantages over the years. One of which is like, you know, we're talking about adaptives. I'm fully able-bodied, regardless of how shitty a CrossFitter I am, I'm fully able-bodied and I don't have the same obstacles others do. And if you have the capacity and the means to help others, I believe you should. Everything else comes from that. The money will come if there's money, if there's no money, who cares? Like I make money elsewhere anyway. So I don't know. I'm trying to find new ways to do it. My plan for this year is I, I'm thinking for the next game, I'm not going to spend a lot of time raising money. I want to find ways to make a bigger impact for these athletes and for others, as opposed to just doing GoFundMes. Okay. And I'm still trying to sort that out. This isn't like a sneak peek. I don't know what it's going to look like yet. 
I honestly think it's going to be making sure I'm more dedicated to having, in this case, like adaptive athletes on the show and making sure those interviews talk to them like they're games athletes, not, hey, you're special because you're missing an arm. It's, hey, you're a games athlete. Let's talk about your life. Yeah. Well, and I think just shedding light on what that experience looks like is just such a, I mean, I, I, yet I cannot get over getting the opportunity to do a full day in the life with Derek Wido, which I'll be out on my YouTube here soon. And such an unique, like, I just am so grateful that he allowed me to have that window into his life and to just see. How, and so that's just one person, right? You know, but just to see what that looks like whenever you do not have your leg above the knee, it's gone. I mean, the whole, your leg's gone. What you have, the drive that you have to have. I mean, I, I just try putting yourself in those shoes. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's interesting for me, like what I've learned and what I want others to see is people often look at these adaptive athletes and they're like, Oh, they're so inspirational. You're out there doing this with half an arm. Like Casey Aker, who's competing here, is fit enough, he could compete with the elite men. He's missing his arm at the elbow. He snatches, snatches 245 oh with gosh. one and a half arms. Oh I don't feel sorry gosh. for him. There's no inspiration. I'm like, screw you, buddy. You are far too fit. Like, <laughs> You're more fit than you, all Yeah, you, you make me feel bad about myself. Oh my and gosh. that's the way it should be. That's the point. It's right. like, I'm not inspired because you're missing a limb. I want to find out how you got so fit. I want right. to find out what your life's like. Why do you have your drive? Right. If it's about your arm, we can talk about that. Sure. But it often isn't. It's often other things. And that's what's been really inspiring to me is like to talk to these athletes and to hear their story and why they started and what their hurdles are and how they overcome it. Because their hurdles are not a lot different than ours. I was going to say, that's so often I feel like I, I speak on this a lot on my social media because it's something I'm so passionate about. And just the fact that like trauma grief our individual experiences are they're all uniquely ours but we all have them and the emotions that we feel about them and how we navigate moving forward is something that we can all relate on so however you got there that's your thing and it's relevant and it matters but then where we go from there is something like we can all it resonates across the board so then my question is going to be passion projects and your favorite and least favorite thing about what you do and I feel like we touched pretty heavily on the passion project thing because I kind of have a good idea of what you're focusing on over the next year with that stuff. What would your favorite and least favorite things be about what you do with all of your content creation? They're actually pol polar opposites and very similar at the same time. The, my favorite thing is the connection with people and that it brings joy. Like it occurred to me at some point, it, it took me a while. You go through this like journey as you learn it. Like early on when I started capturing a lot of followers and people would tell you how great you are like you get an inflated ego and you start thinking you're great and when people want to start taking photos with you which is a little weird at first but then you're like oh that must be a big deal you know once you get past that i realized that as people would talk to me you're really making people happy and this is a tough world i don't know if anybody knows this but the world's like kind of on fire right now yeah. and people in our negative place and the fact that I can shine a light into that negative place and bring them joy and happiness and make them laugh. And they're laughing in groups. Like I bet I've heard a dozen times this weekend. Oh, we have a whole text chain where we send your memes back and forth and our whole entire gym sends us back and others will go, you're the first thing I look at in the morning to see what you've done, you know? And if you can bring somebody joy like that, like that's a real honor and just like, it's a special thing. So that's my absolute favorite part is that people are happy. My least favorite is the drama. 
and there's plenty of CrossFit drama that people generate. And again, it's, you know, sometimes it comes from captions or posts that I've made sometimes just because people are assholes. Like there's a hundred different ways it comes in, but I don't like drama, but I have learned to be fair that often drama comes at you because you've created it. And so I'm learning ways to make sure that I'm not generating mock outrage and creating that drama and like owning my part in it. And so it's become much easier in the last six months or so now that I've like kind of really got my arms around that, but that still will always be my least favorite part or people that because they're so connected to the page will literally message me and just rip me a new one. And I'd like, I kind of respond to everyone the same way. I'm just like, okay, by the way, hi, I'm John. Let me introduce myself before you yell at me. And then people will usually back down pretty quick, but yeah. you know, it's just, it can be tough. Emotionally is, it's tough. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because you want to be open to constructive criticism. You want to be open to feedback if it's going to be productive. And so that's, I'm yet again, just such a little newbie here, but I can only imagine how you have to navigate that and go, okay, this actually has weight. I should pay attention to this. And then, okay, you know what? It doesn't, I just need to move on. You have to be, there has to be a balance in how much of yourself you're willing to give up and how much you want or willing to push back. I'll give you an example. Like I am notorious for doubling down on things when I think I've pissed people off. And I will always do that if, I, if I'm if i convinced I'm right. I did a post once, again, the page is autobiographical. So people often think, well, I don't follow you for this. So how dare you post something on your own page? And that's the thing that will usually, you want to set me off quick? That's the way to do it. Tell me I can't post something. And so I did a post on Easter. Watch me. I know, it was Easter. <laughs> And so I did a post for Faith Faith RX, which uh-huh. is a charity in the CrossFit space. They're super nice people and I have friends there. And so I did a happy Easter post. And man, I got blown up in the comments about how dare you post a Christian post, which it wasn't, by the way. I was just saying, hey, I hope everybody has a great Easter. Like it wasn't an overly religious post. And so I thought about it for about 30 seconds. And I'm like, all right, guess what we're doing today, guys? We're going to do nothing but CrossFit Christian memes. And I did like six posts that were so overly religious. I mean, I have quite literally photos of Jesus. Guys, I wish you could see him right now. For those of you, there's just this solid smirk. They were so funny too. They were, (laughs) I mean, I actually, they were so good. I'm like, I might have to start a second page. Like I didn't realize I had a knack for this, but I was raised in a really religious environment. So I guess I had a lot of experience in that segment and they all blew up. Like they all had a ton of likes and tons of comments. I thought they were really funny. But that's an example of where you have to go, all right, am I willing to fight? Is this worth the fight? And for me, it was worth the fight because it's my page. Like, if you don't want me to post something, hey, that's cool. Don't follow. Go away. But don't tell me what I can and can't or why you're here. I don't care why you're here. I'm happy if you want to be here. I'm not begging people to follow me, but don't come in and, and try to control my content through force. You know, if you want to give me a suggestion and say, hey, that was a little offensive, I'll listen to you. I absolutely will. Like, I want to learn from others, but don't tell me I can't do something. And so that's an example where I will fight back when you do that. But there are also times when I make a mistake and sometimes I'll just delete the post and apologize and move on because you've got to be big enough to know when you've messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the type of content you're creating, that's something you actually have to navigate on a regular basis. So what is your favorite memory in CrossFit events history? In all the events that you've been to, I know that's a big ask. And, and it can just be the first one. It doesn't have to be like whatever, but just what pops in your mind. Probably the one that stands out to me. And I've had so many good ones over the years, but it would have been, 
It would have been one of my very first ones. I went to the Mac. The page was relatively small. I want to say 30, 40,000 followers at the time. And I had just quote unquote come out. People knew what I looked like. That's right. Cause you stayed hidden for a long time. How long did you stay hidden? It would have been a good six or seven months, probably. Like once the page took off. I was going to say, yeah, once you had traction, which I followed before you revealed yourself. Yeah. So it would have been over a year, but you know, good six or seven months by the time it was really moving. But people knew what I looked like. And I went to the Mac and they'd give me a press pass to get in. It was the first time I got in a press pass, which was kind of cool. But because I had it, I had to come in through the athlete area. And so I'd like through a back door and then you come out of the athlete area and then you're on the floor. Now you're not like on the competition floor, but you're right next to it. And it's kind of a special area. So I come out and my foot had no sooner hit the floor when it was an athlete actually, and she just finished a workout. I, she literally screeched and she goes, Oh my God, it's him. And bear hugs me, like jumps on me, gives me this huge hug and she's all sweaty and gross, you know? And it's like, can I get a photo? And I'm like, this is literally the first photo I'd ever taken with anyone. And I'm like, okay. And so we take a photo. And then that weekend, I bet I took 150 photos over the weekend with people. It was a really like kind of tightly tight event. And to be fair, I had a shirt on that said, make what's great again. So people really knew who I was. And it was the first time that I realized things were going to be different at CrossFit events. And that woman like really stood out to me because she was so excited I'd never experienced anyone that was excited to see me besides family. Uh, and so it was really different and I've had that experience multiple times now since then, like some really weird ones too. And you know, it's just, it's a different thing. Yeah. That's really cool. And a very surreal moment when like, that was the moment when you're like, Oh my gosh, my content that I'm creating online, because there is a separation with what's online. And that's why you like the podcast so much. I mean, that makes sense to me. The physical, like in-person stuff is what smacks me in the face. Whenever somebody comes up and actually says something, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. The better one, actually, my favorite of all time, not the one that stands out the most. I went to an event. It was at my gym. I was at CrossFit Close Side, which was owned by Saxer and Spencer Pancheck at the time. And they were putting on a, a competition and I just wanted to swing in, but the place was packed. I wasn't competing. just went in and had my daughters with me. And we come walking in and it didn't occur to me there would be people from outside of our gym there. The place was packed and people would come from all over Ohio to do it. And again, as soon as I walk in the door, this woman sees me and she goes, oh my God, are you John from Make What's Great Again? And I'm like, yes. And if you could see the look on my daughter's face at that moment when she was like, what is happening right now? And I'm like, yeah. And the lady's like, oh my God, I love you. Can I please get a photo? Would you mind? I'm like, sure. And my daughter's eyes are like saucers and like, she just can't believe this is going down. And just as she's about to take the photo, I turned to my daughter. I'm like, I told you I was cool, baby girl. <laughs> Which, by the way, you seem very close with your daughters. Is yeah, that... we're very close. Yeah, they're a big part of your life. Very cool. Yeah. But so they were oddly mortified and impressed all at once, which is the sweet spot for a dad. Total sweet spot. Right. You like, yeah, you want to make your kids cringe a little and then you want to be the person they love the most. Yeah, I, th- I think I straddle that line every day. I think, I'm not sure. My dad is an interesting human. I don't know how you would, uh, I don't know, but I, he makes me cringe a lot and he's my favorite person. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do as a dad. He's crushing it as a dad. He's amazing. That's the whole point. I like to say he's a, uh, so intellectual. He's a little bit socially off. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> love you, dad. He's definitely going to listen to this, but he knows it. There you okay. Go. So I was going to ask about your goals. Must next. You've kind of talked about that. Then. This is a fun one. 
What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Yet again, just can be whatever comes to your mind first. What's your favorite piece of advice to share? Maybe it's something you came up with. Oh, I don't give people good advice. <laughs> I had one recently. I was talking to O'Keefe. I was actually at a was having an interaction with Matt O'Keefe, who's Matt Frazier's agent, and, and with Matt Frazier. Also, incredible guy. I'm sure everyone on the planet knows that, but if you don't, incredible man. I know it sounds like I'm name dropping, but it's part of the story because you know, I don't spend a lot of time talking to Matt, but we've talked a few times and yeah. he's a great dude. And But I was talking to O'Keefe and we were talking about social media and how do you navigate it? How do you keep the haters away? And basically said to me, he's like, look, just don't, the people that are coming at you, like attacking you hard, he's like, don't punch back. He's like, more, you should not be in the comments attacking people back. Like if you want to interact with people, that's one thing. But, you know, he gave advice to Matt Frazier. He's like, you got to stay out of the comments, man. People want to tear you down and you're giving them ammo every time you come in and defend yourself. You don't need to defend yourself. It'll go away quickly. And it was the go away quickly part that really resonated with me. And I saw I. And because I, I'm a numbers guy and I like really start to watch stats and that sort of thing, I started to figure out he's absolutely right. Like Instagram is very disposable. It's not like the podcast. It goes away almost immediately. And so you can have a bad post or a bad interaction with someone. And if you just let it go, it'll go away very fast. And I'm not saying you can get away with really horrible behavior, but you know, you, my point is, is I was like, it's good advice. I just need to quit fighting with people in the comments yeah. and DMs and just not answer every DM. Like I got one yesterday, a guy DM me and I had a post that had Roman Kronikov in it. He's a great athlete. He's Russian, which is relative to the story. And the guy that came in was probably Ukrainian or something. Cause I get this huge DM about Russians murdering babies in Ukraine. And I'm like, not answering that one. Just, yeah. just letting it go Stay because. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this is a CrossFit page. I'm not going to debate the war in Ukraine with you. Sure. Like, I hate war, but I'm not debating it with you. <laughs> like, yeah. well, it's not my fight. I like that. I think that reminds me of one of my favorite pieces of advice I've received over the last year and a half that I fall back on all the time and I share all the time. So it just kind of builds upon that is simply we don't make long-term decisions based on short-term emotions. So that's been a really good one for me too. And I probably, I'll say it over and over and over again on this podcast. So listeners, if you've heard it already on the first one, we're back at it again, but it never hurts to be reminded. So you can even apply that to that situation as far as like thinking like, just because this makes me feel a certain way in this moment, doesn't mean I need to do anything about it right now. Maybe I just need to chill for a second. And that has been just like pivotal, instrumental advice. And you can apply it to the big situations, the happies, the sads, the mads, the, all of it. And I think... It really has given me a better quality of life. <laughs> so from there, what does John really want to be remembered for? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, it's funny you ask that question because I've been th- I'm getting old. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, oh, what's, cool. what's my legacy going to be like as you age? When you, I think when you're before 40 or younger, you just think you're going to live forever. That's my plan. Uh, yeah, but I was what my plan was always too until a bunch of my friends started dying off. Like I'm depending upon science. Come through. Come through science. God, I hope so. You know, and so now it's like as I'm aging, I'm like, well, what is, is my legacy? What do I want to leave behind? What do you want, want it to look like? I hope I've made people happy. I hope they look back and go, that brought joy. I hope they look back and, and I made an impact in their lives. Like I made something different, not just made them laugh. I hope there are enough moments that I can give back now that it leaves some sort of lasting legacy, whether it's the impact that something was changed because of that or someone's life was just improved. Because if you improve someone's life now, 
it's going to improve other people's lives in the road. And it's just a cascading effect, you know? So I hope those things are true, but truthfully, like all of this could go away tomorrow. All I care about, did I raise two great girls? Are they going to give back to the world? Are they going to be great people? Which they are, by the way, are they great humans? Like if they turn out great, I did my job. CrossFit, Instagram, YouTube, it really means nothing. It could all go away tomorrow. And, and it's I'll, been a fun ride. Yeah, and it's been fun. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't also don't want to discount all this stuff too. Like you can make an impact in people's lives. I know it's not going to go away, so I want to continue to use it. So for me, there's the balance. Can I leave an impact on the community I love? I'm kind of done raising my daughters at this point. So did I do my job there? And how did that turn out? And that's it. Like pretty low-key dude their whole lives they'll be your baby girls they'll always be your baby girls i'd also like to make me millions if i could figure out how to do that but i haven't quite worked that one out yet so we'll see yeah and uh, check back later on that yeah one. <laughs> we'll see that'd be good i love that and i think it's really cool too that you can recognize that like you really built this brand upon at least in the front end of it of just poking fun at certain things making people laugh lighthearted, whatever and now as a result of something so really simple as that now you are able to do these incredible things like raise that money for those athletes, just all the things that you do choose to do. And that's all really been born out of this thing that was just a fun, creative outlet for you. So that's really fucking cool. So, yeah. And then everybody already knows this, but I guess just where can people find you? All over. So at Make Wads Great Again on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's MWGA underscore official at Twitter because they don't give me enough digits to use my full name there kettlebells and cocktails on anywhere you can get podcasts we're on every single channel and youtube and scale and bail with john and ben is the other podcast and it's also on every possible channel you could find it on so yeah all over or you can just google john woolley and trust me there's like a bazillion oh people will be making good memes about you huh no 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 it's just like all this like you know google puts everything you've ever done and prioritizes it and I did it the other day. I was like, I wonder how much stuff I have out there. So I Googled myself. I'm like, oh shit. Like there's so much stuff. And like every podcast I've ever been on and everything I've ever produced. I'm like, man, I guess this is going to be on my headstone someday. Like just all out there for the public. It'll be a digital roll of it. Just like you can just a little be touch screen or maybe they'll just plug in. I don't know. I can never change employers because if anybody else does a background check, I'm not getting hired. That's basically <laughs> what I thought. So That's great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. This is really, really cool for me, just being newer in the space. It's just such an opportunity to get to have these conversations and to get to know you better because I've followed that specific account for years and I've consumed much of your podcast content. And so it's fun to be an observer for a number of years and then to actually get to do this. So just thank you. Yeah, no, super fun. I'm going to call your show Conversations with Claire. That's what I'm calling it. Should you name you name it whatever you want, but that's what I'm going to call it. No, I love but. it. I've been asking around recently because I am banking, like I'm going on ahead and getting some content for this and have been asking people, I'm like, what, you got any suggestions? What do we call this thing? And I've got some ideas, but anyway, it'll all sort itself out. The nice thing is I feel very much with content creation that sometimes you just need to go and you can sort out the details later. Actually, I feel that way with most things in life, not just content creation. You'll figure it out. You'll get a good name for it. It'll be just fine. Either way, I appreciate your time. We're going to go watch some fitness. Are you going to do some fitness today? Absolutely not. Not today. Do you do fitness during games week? Normally I would. I hurt my elbow the other day, so I'm a little out of commission right this second. I'll probably do something tomorrow. 
today. I'm just going to watch. That's it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Guys, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate your time as the consumer. And we're going to be having other meaningful conversations with Claire in the very near future. So that's all we got.